hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. Oh God, we come to you asking that you speak your word to us so that we may hear, so that we may be strengthened. The Lord said more importantly that we may go and share your love with others. So God, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, his name was Jerry. Jerry was about 60 years old. And I was uh, in the middle of probably about 24, 25 years old and I was going through a very difficult time in my life, kind of like how a lot of 24 and 25-year-olds are. Maybe looking for a direction. Personally, for myself, I was in the middle of uh, going through a divorce. I was in a school that didn't feel like I, I was actually doing the work that I was supposed to be doing. So I was floundering. And I had a friend tell me about this this church, this church that was worshiping in a school of all places. So I decided to get up early one Sunday morning, and I walked into the 8.30 service, and they were worshiping in a cafeteria. And I sat down at one of the school tables, round tables. And Jerry came, and he sat down next to me. We did the pleasantries that you do when you first meet somebody for the first time, just introduce yourself and saying, you know, this is my first time here, you know, glad to be here. I knew so-and-so from this church and just wanted to come and check it out. But there was something about Jerry. Jerry was able to reach out with love and compassion without any judgment about what I've seen or, or, or what I've been through. But the thing that I remember most about him is that he saw something inside of me, something that I didn't see in myself at that moment in time. And he was able to encourage, to strengthen. Now, about the two or three years that I was at Chapel Hill Fellowship United Methodist Church, Jerry and I, we had several meetings where we'd sit and talk about disciple Bible study, about Stephen ministry, just about ministry in general. And I consider him to be one of the people in my life to revive a flame that was inside of me, to allow me to see what God was calling me to do, to have led me to this point in time. We're starting a new series today. Uh, for three weeks, we're talking about the book Second Timothy. 
Now, 2 Timothy is one of those books that's kind of pushed towards the back of the Bible. And I will admit it's one of those books that it's easy just to, to overlook because it's placed back there in the back of the Bible. But Paul uses the words in 2 Timothy to encourage and to strengthen this young man named Timothy, this one that that had traveled with Paul on so many occasions. So we're going to take a look over the next three weeks as we can use these words to strengthen us, to build us up as disciples of Jesus Christ. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, to open your Bibles to the Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. If you don't have your Bibles, of course, the words will be up on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I serve with a good conscience as my ancestors did. I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. When I remember your tears, I long to see you so that I can be filled with happiness. I'm reminded of your authentic faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I'm sure that this faith is also inside of you. Because of this, I am reminding you to revive God's gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Paul met Timothy during his second missionary journey in Lystria. See, his mom was, was Jewish, his dad was Greek, but there was something inside of Timothy that, that caught Paul's attention. And because it caught Paul's attention, Timothy became a, a co-laborer of the gospel. We see that in the book of Acts where it talks about Paul's journeys. Timothy becomes a part of those journeys. Timothy starts to travel with Paul as Paul is planting churches in Greece, in, in Asia, and in those areas of the world. But see, Timothy was young. Timothy was young in his faith, and he was young just in age. So it's easy to see how someone of that age, someone in that, that spiritual formation could become frustrated. We are blessed to be a part of a church that is over 100 years old, and we celebrate that as we come into this building. But my friends, as we hear and as we look around, we see that there are more people moving in who may be new to the faith, may be questioning about what it is that God is calling them to. So the word that Paul had for Timothy is the word that he has for each and every one of us. 
is that we are to revive God's gift in us so that we can be on fire for him. I love this Greek word for revive. The Greek word is adereprizio. I said that right. I think I did. I don't know. I just, we don't have any New Testament people here, but I'll ask second service. Adereprizio. But a better translation of that is to kindle up. See, the flame inside of Timothy wasn't dead. There was a flame inside of Timothy that was just kind of hidden at that time. So Paul was reminding him to, to make that flame alive. Kind of like when Tracy and the kids bought me a, a, a side smoker about eight years ago. And I decided for the very first time to cook a brisket. So I did all the research I could on the internet and realized that if I wanted to cook a brisket, I would have to start early, early, early in the morning. So about 3 o'clock in the morning, I get up. (laughs) True story, true story. I get up, I load the firebox up, I light the match, and I get the fire going. And I just, I feel like I've accomplished something huge at that point in time. I mean, I felt like I was the world-class cooker. And then I sat down on the couch in the warm house. And the next thing I knew, I was asleep. 4.30 comes along, and I realize what I have done. And I quickly run outside, and I look at the firebox, and I see... Nothing. No smoke, nothing. So I thought I blew it. But then I opened up the box and I looked inside and down at the very bottom, there was this little red glow. So I started to blow on it. And as I blew on it, the glow got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the flame caught on to a couple of the other pieces of charcoal and a couple of other pieces of wood. And I knew that I had the fire going again. See, sometimes in our lives we have to have that reminder, don't we? That that fire is still there. There's a little ember in our lives that we just need to add a little fresh word or fresh glow of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that it can catch fire again. It's okay, believe it or not, really, it's okay for that fire just to just exist. But it's the reminder of the body of faith. It's a reminder of what God has called us to do to allow us to let that fire blaze again. So that God's grace and mercy can be seen. Well, there's a way that Paul tells Timothy to keep that fire going. It is through power. It is through love. And it is through self-control. So first, what does it mean by power? This can get us in trouble. The world is hungry for power. You know, we see it on the news every day. We see how people want to jock for a position and and make themselves higher than they should be. But the power that God is talking about 
is not the power to rule over others. Jesus even warned about this in the Gospels when the the disciples are trying to jockey for position over one another. Jesus said, you know what? The Gentiles, they, they strive for power and they lord it over those that they rule. But if you really want to have power, then you must serve as Christ has served others. See, when we talk about power, it's not about strength. It's not about might, but it's about allowing the grace of God to move in and through you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that God's grace is sufficient for you. For God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, when we boast, we don't boast about our power. We boast about our weakness. Because in our weakness, we are then made strong. I don't know about you, but the best way to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ is through our weakness. When we know we don't have all of the answers. When we know that God is in control. And then we can allow God's love to lead us. There's a chapter in 1 Corinthians that you all may be familiar with. It's one that's used in weddings at all the time. It's a beautiful scripture that talks about that we, we, we like to have a talk about the love between a man and a woman. But when Paul wrote these words, it wasn't about a wedding. It was about how we as a community should reach out and love others. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, that love is patient, love is kind. It isn't jealous, it doesn't brag, it isn't arrogant, it isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage, it isn't irritable, and it doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trust in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Later in that chapter, he talks about how the faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of all of these is love. My friends, we're coming close to an election. And I don't know what the world needs now more than the love of grace of Jesus Christ. To allow us to keep this warring between two major political parties. Darn it. We knew AV. We have these two warring systems that are coming together who are trying to get power. But they're not trying to serve. They're trying to force their ways on others. But they're not seeing how love can be the way. We know that power is not the way. It's allowing the love and grace of Jesus Christ to encompass us so that we may then use self-control 
to minister and to work for good in our world around us. Romans 6, 12 through 14 reminds us to not let sin reign in our mortal bodies so that we obey its desires. And do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no mastery over you. Because you are not under law, but you are under grace. See, my friends, in order to have that fire revived in us, we must allow the work of the Holy Spirit to guide and move us. That's why we come to this table, this table of grace. We come knowing that the power isn't in us, but it's in the work of Jesus Christ. We come knowing that God uses us in strong and mighty ways so that we can love each other. We can love our community. We can love our world. But we come to the table with self-control, knowing that if we force our own ways, then we get lost. When we force our own ways on others, then we fail to see them as God has created them. And we fail to see us as God has created us. My hope and my prayer is that as we move through this month, as we see how God has encouraged us to be active in our faith, to allow that flame to burn deep inside of us so God's grace can be made perfect in us that we can then love as Christ has loved, and that we can be a witness to who God is in our lives.